All right, we're rolling with great technological advances of movie making, accessibility. It's no longer just for the coasts anymore. Why can't Champagne be a film hub? We already have an amazing uh, film festival. We have no shortage of creative types here. And that's kind of one of the goals of this podcast is to highlight the people and the place in general. So with me today is one of the guys helping lead that charge, John Iceberg. Final summer is coming. Oh, <laughs> it is. Get into that and the project that's ahead for you. It should be dropping uh, summer 2022, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. And I'll make sure to share the, uh, you have an impressive sizzle reel and a Kickstarter that we'll all get into here. Sweet. But um, welcome, man. Uh, I think <laughs> we first met like, uh, I don't know, years ago. I, I, I was on yeah. a lunch break and I, I saw a small clip you made um, promoting our uh, CLAW, the uh, Champagne Ladies Amateur yeah. Wrestling it was it was funny and it was it was it was creative and I, and it, it was exactly what I needed on my lunch hour. So I was like, I got to contact this guy. Nice. And then we uh, connected again when you worked on the Where It Begins CU Music yeah. documentary. Yeah. And now that brings us to today. And yeah. with me, of course, is Curtis, who is not only my buddy but my my horror aficionado. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. When I say slasher film, he immediately perked up. <laughs> awesome <clears throat> so let's go there let's just start there final summer is the project and it is yeah. a slasher film but i've i've heard you speak about that it's not a, a traditional slasher film even though it has like homages to those of the past this one is unique so let's let's get into it yeah sure yeah so um <clears throat> i love slasher films i kind of grew up on them of course, I wasn't really allowed to watch a lot of slasher films because my parents were kind of religious. And so I had to hear about it from like my friend across the street. And, you know, when you're in third grade hearing about Halloween, too, like half of it makes sense. You know? <laughs> but it just, it just had an appeal. And I had some older cousins who were massively into Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. And every time I'd go visit them, it was nothing but, you know, talking about Jason and who's who's better, Jason or Freddie or oh, Michael, you know, that kind of stuff. It was just kind of. And so it had a an appeal to me. And we've been trying, I do this film workshop uh, in Champaign and we've been tossing around the idea of making a feature film for a while. And um, it just kind of, horror was kind of the perfect genre to do because as an indie film, the genre sells itself. And so you can, you can make a horror film without, you know, big stars and, you know, too much, plot <laughs> i mean we have we have a good plot i think but like you know you look at so I, it was just a, a matter of like trying to find the right idea and i just kept going back to slasher films because that to me was my favorite genre of horror you know that's achievable and scalable and so then i just started looking at the films that i liked like friday the 13th and halloween and then you know i was like I think like 18 or 19 when Scream came out. And so that was a huge influence for me mm -hmm. as well. Cause I think like Wes Craven, I love his character development of the characters in his film. Like I feel like, like when I look at Final Girls, like Heather Langenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street is a great one. Also Sydney from uh, Scream. And even like the, uh, uh, there was another, the, oh, like A New Nightmare, which came out just a little bit before Screen. That was another West Craven, where it was kind of like a movie within a movie. Yep. And you could tell that that was leading up to Screen, because I feel like that was where you could start to see the genesis of his ideas leading into Scream. And so it, it I feel like, you know, that's almost like a good companion piece for Scream is to understand his kind of evolution of that thought into that, you know, he started kind of messing with the genre and and all that but uh yeah i just love horror films and so finally it just the, the first idea i had for the film was ended up being the poster image which was just i had this idea of this girl in in the bottom of like a canoe like holding this bloodied axe and like drifting through the frame and then also there's this like river of blood coming behind it and i was like that was that seemed really cool <laughs> to me and I just started researching a ton of slasher films and I uh, yeah studied as much as I could about story structure 
and started looking for locations. Originally, we were going to do like a one location film of like a car that gets stranded in the forest and is attacked like in the middle of the night. But then there was this movie called Monster that was the same thing. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. But yeah, I just in terms of like how it's different, I think like in watching a lot of the films, I felt like they were well, it was the 80s. <laughs> so it, was like, it was like drugs and alcohol and sex and everybody dies and when i watched yeah. the original friday the 13th i was like no one knows what's happening at all no one knows like it's literally like the most like out of nowhere movie ever where people are having sex and they turn around there's like an axe in their head and it didn't seem really exciting to me and it was just like almost random when you're watching it it's like this girl starts making tea like coffee in the middle of the night i'm like why <laughs> and then the music is like, ooh, and then no, no one really knows anything until the body flows, throws through the, through the window. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, this is totally dumb. Don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it just felt like there was no emotional stakes there. And so I wanted to make a slasher film that had the emotional stakes in it. And my background, you know, I worked with kids with emotional disabilities who went through a lot of trauma. And then my dad had... PTSD from being a, a firefighter paramedic for 35 years. And then I have PTSD from like pretty terrifying, you know, like relationship I was in. And it just felt like um, I wanted to, the, the final girl to me just felt like this uh, really great symbol of what it means to be a survivor. And so that became kind of the folk, the emotional core of the film is let's show this as we'll take the framework of Friday the 13th and Scream and Halloween and, you know, my bloody Valentine and, and uh, you know, Black Christmas and everything, but make it like with that kind of empathy towards the survivor and going back to the eighties films where like, you know, there's not a lot of like final girls that were really, you know, like I felt like smart and complex and resourceful. And so I wanted to make this final girl that had, had some trauma in her background that had some issues that she was sorting out. And so it's a show the strength of being a survivor. Um, yeah. And it just all kind of came from that. Um, and then I just, I watched like 200 slasher films just to study them. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, like I, I've seen a ton of slasher films, but it just was really starting to d dig into what, what is it about these films that's so much fun? what is it that is so intriguing and why do we keep returning to these slasher films i mean like halloween kills yeah <laughs> you know, i mean the dude's got half a hand you know like like jamie like no spoiler alert but like if you've seen halloween the, the david gordon green like he literally gets his hand blown off i'm like what is he doing he's like in his 60s walking around killing people i mean it doesn't anyway <laughs> at some point i feel like it's going to be absurd you know to still have this old guy walker you know it, you know i almost think like maybe at some point he gets like you know he loses his memory and he just forgets where he's at and just hangs out i don't know anyway i'll shut up i'm getting rambly here <laughs> no yeah i mean you said you watched like uh 200 i'll, I'll let you guys kind of geek out for a little bit which ones maybe maybe resonated for you that you weren't previously you know on you you named some of the heavy hitters right out of the yeah. gate you know that maybe a lot of people or oh yeah i know Friday, you know, people yeah. don't even know Friday the 13th, know Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. What are some other ones that you either may have influenced or Curtis, uh, some of the more under the radar ones that people can watch in, in preparing yeah. for final summer? Well, I think that the greatest slasher film to me is, is not, is, is a, it's a slasher film, but it's also like, huh, wait, that's a slasher film. It, I think it's like really Scott's alien, which I love. And I feel like the atmosphere <clears throat> The structure is perfect on that one. I modeled a lot of the structure of Final Summer after that film because it was such a, a tight structure and a great mood in, in all of the payoffs and the setups or the setups and payoffs were really great. But and then Black Christmas, I really liked a lot, too, because um, it was really creepy, really atmospheric. There's this great sequence where they're like in the call center, in this old analog call center. And the guy's like tracking down where this call is coming from. And then finally, of course, the, the call is coming from inside the house. And then yeah. which is hilarious because then they get there and then they immediately like just like, oh, case solved. I guess we'll go. <laughs> and the, well, you killer's, know. the killer's literally still in the house. <laughs> Spoiler alert on that one. Sorry. That's like, it's all right. But um, just in terms of like the oddball ones, I think the ones that made me kind of love the genre that I didn't necessarily like, they, they were kind of, they were bad, but I really embraced them was probably like um, 
I mean, the burning and uh, also mm-hmm. um, final exam is hilarious. I love that one for like an indie film. Yeah. Um, and then I think like, uh, you know, I, I was really struck by my bloody Valentine, the original 81 version. Um, well, Neil Affleck was going to be in this film, but then we had issues with COVID and the visa thing. Um, but I talked to the cinematographer from that film as well, Rodney Gibbons, and he had a lot of great, great uh, kind of feedback on cinematography for horror films, which was really cool because there was a sequence in this, uh, this like steam room or whatever, and it was really beautifully lit. And anyway, but then I, I would go to, uh, of course, Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> sleepaway camp if you got to i mean you know they're literally on top of this roof of a cabin like (laughs) i don't even like playing baseball or something it doesn't make any sense but uh it's kind of hilarious and super cringy but uh i think my favorite one though is it's really terrible too but you have to watch it once it's called blood rage have you guys seen that one i have seen blood rage yeah oh my god (laughs) yeah it is so like what is going on like the lighting is terrible the acting is unbelievable the the mother is like who is this like it's super weird and i love that like the producer on the film the psychiatrist she had to play a psychiatrist role right because the actor from new york was coming down and they just never showed up and so she had to like play the psychiatrist and you know like the scene where she's cut in half and he like takes the 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 pants and puts her back together (laughs) I was just like, man, she really believed in that film. <laughs> she committed like, to the bit. She totally committed. I mean, that's like the kind of producer I wanted. Someone who's willing to step into that kind of debasement of, uh, anyway. <laughs> what about you, though? What, what about your slasher? Well, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Black Christmas. To me, that's probably the, the actual first slasher film ever. I know Halloween gets all the love, but Black Christmas came out first. And oh, yeah. Yeah. it sort of had that, that whodunit vibe. I think another... Uh, underrated one that's just fun and over the top is Pieces. If people oh, yeah. are familiar with Pieces, Pieces yeah, yeah, is one yeah. you should definitely check out. That was a Spanish. Um, that was Spanish, right? But it was shot in. Bo- it was like set in Boston or something. Yes. And yeah. we're like, yeah, there was like a pool sequence and all this other stuff in there or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And there was some yeah. the random kung, the like random karate guy. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Walking by. I'm like, what is this? It's so. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean it. You know, I'm not I'm not spoiling anything, but it starts with like a 12 year old boy yeah. whose mom finds out that he's got like a, a Playboy magazine or something like that hidden in his room. And uh, she scolds him and throws away the magazine and it causes the 12 year old boy to snap. And right. like, that is what <laughs> most 12 year old boys would probably do. right? <laughs> yeah, like, cool. I think Blood Rage yeah. was the same thing, too, with the kid at the beginning with they set him up and it was a anyway. Yeah. um but yeah pieces is one that if you're you mentioned sleepaway camp that's got one of the most ridiculous reveals at the end of the film ever like that is you're gonna watch sleepaway camp because of the ending like you you, if you don't know what happens that's the whole you need to watch it because the ending is so insane right you will go what what the hell did i just watch and then they made like four more after that yeah so yeah i love that the cousin is cool though. He's he's always like sticking up for her and he he's like dropping f bombs like crazy in that film. I'm like, yeah. dude, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, that's you a know, good there's been some some uh, sort of a revitalization in the last 15, 20 years, I think, too, for the slasher film. I think a lot of that uh, a lot of that goes back to Wes Craven, who's he's my favorite. Craven and Carpenter are my two favorites, but um, you know, when, when Rob Zombie made House of a Thousand Corpses, all of a sudden all these all these uh, studios wanted to put out, you know, reimaginings of slasher films and things like that. And then you had some underground hits like Hatchet. I don't know if you're familiar with Hatchet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those are just, the Hatchet movies are just fun. Again, it's over the right. top. It's gory. It's horror right. comedy. But um, all that is a big nod to, to all the slasher stuff, you know, oh, yeah. from the 80s and um, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to think. What's the other one? Sleepover? Is that the one? There's one where the guy's like a, like an Elvis impersonator psycho <laughs> with a car. Yeah. Um, I watched one last night that was weird. It was called He's Out There. And it was, it was interesting because it was originally going to be like a Screen Gems film, but then it got picked up by like a, dip, like a smaller distributor. And it was like, it was intriguing, but it was like a mom and her like two kids. And so then it was like Kids in Jeopardy, Jeopardy which 
I, I have a hard time with. So I don't know. It was, yeah. I think, I think in terms of like the new films, though, the ones I really like are like It Follows is mm. probably one of oh, my yeah. favorite new ones. I love that. Like, yeah. The premise is genius. Jeez, man. Like, that, <laughs> you know, you just have someone walking in the background over there. <laughs> toward you like you know drooling and then you have like your scene it's 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 amazing it's just i, I wish i would have thought of that um the worst std ever oh yeah yeah right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but just the score great, the score really sets awesome. that one up yeah really great like synth wave like kind of thing and then um i love fetty alvarez don't breathe that one is is really great Although I, I don't like when like the, the characters in the film seem too smart to be putting themselves in that situation in the first place so sometimes I have a hard time with like, ah, oh, man, they like they try to be smart about it, but then the characters they make the characters almost like too, like methodical in how their thinking is, and you're like, why are you in this situation? Then you could be doing any, you know. And then I think um, what's another great one? Oh, not necessarily a slasher, but kind of one that I, I thought of a lot about in terms of survival films is uh, Jeremy Saulnier's uh, Green Room. Oh Just wow, to, yeah, that, one that one's really, awesome. yeah, that one's amazing. That one. Yeah. Uh, like all one setting kind of thing, which is also I found really cool. It's like that's that's tough to shoot sometimes if you know, but for budgetary purposes, which we'll get into, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. it's a lot yeah. easier if you only have one one, one set. Um, but yeah, when you're talking about character development and and, and how you're going to kind of get into this um, survivalist mentality that's not always easy to do in a slasher film. So is, is you know, the exposition like uh, is it you know, is it going to come out through spoken word? Is there, is there going to be flashbacks? How are you really going to set the, the the kind of backstory and where this main character is coming from? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a backstory that we go into okay. in where her trauma comes from. And um, I don't want to reveal too much, but no, 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 <laughs> but no. It's, yeah. it's, I think it, it because trauma has so much to do with with feelings of shame and also sometimes like events that happen that are outside of your control that you will work into your head where it's like your fault or whatever. And so I think like in some sense that that shame and the trauma are, are very tied together. And so events in this film kind of re-trigger that trauma, which which is interesting because I think for <clears throat> for some people to, to kind of walk, like I try to think of it as like, a, what if this really happened? What if what if you were really in a slasher film? How would you react, you know? And, and I've had situations where I, when I was at SIU with my buddies and we walked up on this guy, these two guys getting jumped by like five dudes. And, but we walked up on like kind of the aftermath where this guy was on the ground with his wallet out. And like the guy was standing over the, with a brick and it took like a minute to process what yeah. we had seen or what we walked into. And then we, we just kind of hung out with the guys. So the other guys left, but, <clears throat> um, and I think that that's to me is intriguing about these films where like, are you really going to, do you really know the danger that you're in sometimes? Do you really know how dangerous someone is or the situation you're in? Can you really see that? And, and I think people would react maybe with shock even, you know, they don't just go immediately into like, you know, right. You know, like, let's, let's do this. You There's know? no muscle memory for these no, kind of situations. Yeah. And, and in a way, because of Lexi, who's the main character has so much trauma and she's triggered again, she's kind of, because she's almost in this fight or flight thing, I think that kind of actually helps her to kind of be safe for a little while there versus everybody else who it's like, what's going on? I don't understand. And so, so I think that was kind of interesting. And also the challenge too, because you have someone like when I taught kids with emotional disabilities, they all had PTSD and every, and all the students were similar and also different. And some might shut down, you know, when they're triggered, some might uh, be really reckless and lash out, you know, um, mm. some were very controlling of, of everything around them because they're in their personal life, their home life, they had no control. And so, so I was trying to kind of build that into the main character's story, but, and so it, it made it kind of a challenge because you have a character that is not typically as active as a, uh, a main character is. And so much of the film, I think, plays on her, reaction to things sometimes so even if like there's a scene where people are talking it's almost happening in the background in a way um yeah it's just it's just kind of interesting i think like the closest i've seen is if you look at um sigourney weaver at the beginning of aliens like when she's trying to before she turns into like rambo at the end like she has this 
you know, she's trying to talk to the Marines about what she's seen and she can't get it out. And as an audience, you're like, tell them because they're, they don't understand like what they're going into and she can't get it out. And then, and then they like dismiss her and you're like, ah, oh, like y'all going to die now. You're all going to die. Right. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. So, yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, sorry if I rambled there, but. Uh, no, 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 no. That's wonderful. And one of the more uh, modern you know, filmmakers kind of reinventing horror in general that we haven't touched on because he hasn't really done slasher, you know, and people were really surprised when he got into it. Jordan Peele. Yes. Um, I know we've talked, you know, on Facebook and stuff about some of his movies. And again, I won't spoil anything, but, you know, I might have cut a hint of an Easter egg you're planning for uh, final summer. Um, There's a few. <laughs> yeah. How, do, how does that go in the, in the film? In the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sharing um, okay, good, yeah, <laughs> but uh, how does that kind of come up in the filmmaking process? Yeah. Is it what is it the chicken or the Easter egg? Which comes first? Do you or do you see the scene and then think, you know what, I'm going to do this? Or do you already have something in mind and you have yeah. to figure out a way to fit it into the film? Yeah. Well, one thing I love about him is that he balances a great sense of character development and humor and horror. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that has always been some of my favorite horror films is where it's like I, I, I like. To me, I like a horror film that feels like you're going into like a haunted house, you know, like at, at mm -hmm. Halloween or something, right? Where it's like you're you're standing outside and you're just talking it up like, oh, I'm not going to be spooked. And you're, you know, oh, cool. <laughs> you're going to be the one who's like freaked out first, you know. And then you go in there and you have that excitement of like, oh, I don't know. And then the first guy jumps out and you lose your stuff. You're like, ah, and then everybody <laughs> freaks and then you start running. You're, you're tripping over your buddies to get out of the way. And and. I remember I went to like I, when I was a kid, I went to one of those haunted house things and there was like a mummy in this coffin, but it was like an actor. And I remember like we all like walked up to the coffin where it was at, and he like grabbed me and I freaked out and like punched him in the face. Oh, I felt really bad about it because he was just like a high school actor kid. But anyway, don't grab kids. But uh, <laughs> but um, I love his his balance of humor. And so I wanted in horror and so I wanted to make this like because I felt like some of the some of the films recently have, have become bogged down in this trauma where it's not fun as an audience to watch. It's like it's like you're just watching like this car crash in slow motion. Like I liked Hereditary, but it was depressing, you know, yeah. and Midsummer is totally depressing. Oh. And I'm like, what is the point of these films? <laughs> Why can't we have something like The Lost Boys or something? And I love like Jordan Peele because I feel like he has that Lost Boys sensibility like i saw lost boys at the virginia mm -hmm. i think back in 2019 it was like one of my favorite times going to see that because the crowd was like yeah and oh, <laughs> don't do the thing and you know and right 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 and i love i feel like films especially slashers should be like roller coaster rides of emotion and scare and and but you know give them characters that are smart enough to where they're like you know like no why are you doing that thing you know it's yeah. almost like we're like in this situation because the the villain that they're up against is so kind of methodical and 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 very dangerous that it's like they're they're doing their best in a situation where there is almost no hope for them to to get out and and so it's like a big trap almost in a way so i think like that's and not to go into like the saw movies it's not like that kind of a movie. right but it's much more of dealing with someone who is very dangerous. Uh, so. Yeah, no, that was more like torture porn. That, that was a whole different like genre that I never really got into, but yeah. I understood why it got popular. But yeah, yeah, man, again, going back to Jordan, like what, what if you get attacked while your Amazon playlist is playing, you know, right. like that becomes the <laughs> de facto playing, like, you know, soundtrack yeah. while you're getting brutally <laughs> murdered, you know? Right. And I love, there's a scene in that film that, I really loved because I feel like he has he's, he has that Spielberg sense of of setups, setups and payoffs and also understanding the audience. And there's a scene where the dad is in the boat, you know, and he knocks his, mm -hmm. his doppelganger in the water. And you're like, as an audience, you're like, yeah. And then the boat lurches forward and he falls in the water. You're like, no. And I love <laughs> it's just so much fun to mess with the audience. And so I think that was a lot of what I wanted to do with this film was give them that sense of like, all right, you're going to. Oh, you know, like. Right. Or, or, or characters going into places or like setups where all of a sudden like you're privy like the dramatic irony where like you're privy to what just happened 
and now everybody else is like, oh, this is, and as an audience, you're like freaking out. You're like, get away from him. Like, no, it's not the <laughs> right. thing that you think it is. Like, it's, it's a short victory. No, Snap out of it. Run. <laughs> and but, it was kind of cool because uh, I talked to, um, through doing the research, I reached out to like uh, this guy, Craig Thomas, who was in Friday 13, part seven, because I was thinking about him for a part in a role. And I, I think he ended up, passing but uh but he gave me a lot of really good feedback on the script and also you know he liked the the characters and and gave me a lot of good insights into how to kind of take the slasher film and make it a little bit different and make it more interesting and 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 then giving every character their own little story because some of those some of those friday 13th i'll get to the end i'm like who is that final girl right Higher film, I don't know her name. <laughs> That's her name? Okay, I thought it was something else, you know. It's like this, and, and I always think of like Friday 13th, like they're kind of like, at a certain point, they're like bowling for victims in a way. It's just like yeah. you know, lining them up and knocking them down. It's not, exactly. not interesting. They just get a they just get a number. How many people we want to kill? I don't know. Eight. Right. All right. We'll get nine then. We're raising the body count. You know <laughs> exactly. Who gives a you know who cares if it's not and if it's not emotionally interesting? You know, and so that's why I thought like I liked uh, Stranger Things with how they developed the characters to where you cared about them. You know, and you cared about everyone. And uh, I know I watched the reboot of Friday Thirteenth last night just to get some ideas for for lighting, and it was like. Yeah, I mean, Jared Padalecki is kind of cool, but that's about it, you know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, like, Ronnie Yu, but, yeah, anyway. All right, yeah, man, so, but circling all back around, so yeah. do you have ideas of things you want to place in your movie as an Easter egg, or while you're shooting, does, like, something, you know what would be really cool here, and then you kind of come up with, and then add that oh, in, yeah. which comes first? I've got... I so I, I wrote the script and as I was looking through it, there were beats in there where I was, oh man, that's what I need for this thing. And so <clears throat> there's like an Easter egg from Nightmare on Elm Street that, and, and maybe it's just my brain and how it works, and I think of these as Easter eggs. But <laughs> sure, <laughs> but yeah. I think, but I think they they are. I mean, like I'll tell you this: when I ran this contest, uh, like, hey, guess uh, you know the connection to. Um, you know, Halloween in this film or whatever. No one could get it. And this one guy was like, it's totally this. And I'm like, yeah. right, here, here's a poster because you're cool. <laughs> Just, yeah, no, I and, and but it course, was uh, yeah. but I was thinking of like so Camp Silver Lake, the name of it actually comes is kind of an homage to Nick Castle, who was the, who played the shape in Halloween. And he did this film that I, I loved as a kid called The Last Starfighter. Oh, and, sure. And in The Last Starfighter, they're talking about like, hey, we're going up to Silver Lake or whatever, you know, to go camp out. And so his like doppelganger is like takes his girlfriend to the camp and mm-hmm. he tells her he's trying to like figure out how to like kind of hook up with her or whatever. But I thought it'd be kind of just a in my brain, it was like a little bit of an homage to Nick Castle, who was the shape in Halloween, you know, and his kind of like sense of horror to kind of name the, the camp after the silver lake after yeah that's just kind of my brain but uh but yeah there's a lot of like fun easter eggs there's one that's that's going to be front and center in the in the shot that people i think will probably freak out about (laughs) yeah i mean it's good to put a couple out there that we can all identify with but and unfortunately curtis froze out he was on location but like there is no more passionate fan base than than the horror uh, fans. So, oh my god, yeah. Or as 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 vague as you as you think you're going, they'll get picked up. Yeah. <laughs> they will. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely the one the one. It's it, I don't want to give it away because it's, right. it's it's a really central to the story. But then the other kind of checkoffs thing or whatever, you know, it's. There's there's an homage to to Jaws in a way, and then there's an homage to Nightmare on Elm Street, The Shining, definitely um, a bunch of others, a bunch of other um, movies too. You know, Friday Thirteenth. I mean, we got Tom Matthews in the film, so I'm really excited about that. But uh, yeah, yeah. And let's then, get let's get into the meat right now of what you've already accomplished and and what you're looking to accomplish. Again, I mentioned at the top, um, there's ways people can can help get this, uh, you know, more advanced help out. Uh, one of the things we do here and, and why I started this podcast is this community. I love champagne so much and we raise each other up. And so while we get into it, where are you at the process? Who's all involved and and where are you going? 
Sure. Yeah, we're two weeks out from sh from uh, shooting, so we've got our dates locked, our locations locked, and we're we got I would say the majority of it cast. There's just a couple of people I'm kind of moving around, but we've got I've got my crew ready to go. Um, we've got caterers and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> I've been working with um, uh, Surface Fifty One with the Alf Leaner mm -hmm. Surface. He's been a big kind of supporter of the film, and so they've been helping me with the promoting and, and marketing and I have like a marketing background too. So that was helpful, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm on the, the 17th draft of the script <laughs> <laughs> because writing is rewriting as they say. And so I, yeah. I wanted this because I knew like for any film, your script is your best production value. And so that was where I was like, we need to have like a tight airtight script. That's really fun and really scary. But um, yeah, like I've got, basically i've kind of amassed a lot of like gear over the past year so I, I i just the team that we're putting together it's there's so much that we're doing in in house in a way like i'm shooting on my red epic dragon that you know we shot or that you know like gone girl was shot on that camera and game of thrones and stuff so it's gonna look right. really solid and then you know larry gates is doing sound design he does sound for uh sound design for volition games um like saints row and then i've got my friend jeff schroeder is working with my friend Eric Watkins to do the, the music for the film. And then the in the tradition of the like kind of 80s and 90s slasher films, I wanted to have like the final end credits song, like how Alice Cooper had Man Behind the Mask and Doc mm -hmm. and Dream Warriors, which I, I remember one day I was, I was wearing my Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warrior shirt in like schnooks and these guys are like dream warriors and i was like that's so cool. <laughs> like and again like you mentioned the horror fans i'm like that's totally that's totally my my I love I love the horror fans. I love the horror community because they're so passionate about I, these films, you know. And I have the same shirt. I yeah. have the exact same shirt. I've got the Dream Warriors shirt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I think so. like Frank Darabont wrote that script too. Yeah. Which is interesting because he 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 is such an ensemble director. Like his stories are always like ensembles, like Walking Dead and um the mist and all this stuff and Shawshank Redemption, you know, but uh, actually to bring that up, Adam Moyer, who's the executive producer on the film, like that was his first film he worked on with Shawshank. He was a PA, like a set key PA on that one. And he had some, he was, we were talking about some great stories from that, but uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of the executive producer. And then his production team, there's like uh, a new company called Argonaut Media and they're kind of wanting to be a little bit like a 24, um, and so they kind of signed on to help produce the film. So they put up half of the funding and then I've been doing the other half out of pocket uh, and with some small investors. And then we are doing a Kickstarter too, but it's, you know, it, there's so much that we kind of scaled into it to, to really make it achievable. Um, so like the one location thing was huge right. and, and, you know, like, yeah, we're to summer camp. And I remember like, we shot the sizzle reel in like a day and a half. And I was just like, how are we going to do this? Cause I'm going to have a heart attack and be in the hospital in like three days. And <laughs> everybody's going to ride because it's, it's a uh, night shoots are, are the, the litmus test for whether you like film or whether you can actually do film. you know, because you know, like if you've ever been on a set, man, like at three in the morning, people just stop caring and, and things can devolve really fast. If you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know what you're lighting, if you don't know what you're, what you know so so again like <clears throat> um there's a great book called the uh, rise of the film entrepreneur about by alex ferrari and he talks a lot about uh, backing into your film and so yeah that was the thing like making locations making the stuff work for us making all our all our gear work for us um and just just being really smart and efficient about it so i i went i've been going to the camp for like probably a year and a half to figure out blocking and where the cameras are and then the first time we, we went there at night, I was like, oh, my God, this totally clicks. Like it just totally clicked in terms of like understanding how the location works. And I thought about it, like I went to Paramount when I was in L.A. Um, it was like the last day there. And I just walked over to do like a studio tour. And I saw how the back lot was there. And I was like, this is how we're going to think about our camp. We're going to think about it like a back lot at like Paramount or Universal where all the locations are close together, but we shoot them in a way where it feels isolated, you know, and, and then we're not moving so much. We're shooting all night in like one location in camp and we're keeping the crew from being stressed out, the actors from being stressed out. We can shoot a lot in a little bit of time. And, 
and again, like film is like problem solving and figuring out there's so many cheats and, and, and tricks. <laughs> when I went to, I went to the ASC masterclass out in LA, um, in Hollywood, uh, and like Shelly Johnson, who shot the Wolfman and Caleb Deschanel, who shot a bunch of other, he shot like some highbrow stuff, like never look back and, uh, the natural, but he also shot Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter, <laughs> which, I, which I, went, I talked to him about, I probably drove him nuts. I'm like, will you stop talking to me about Abraham Lincoln? But how do you do the thing? But, <laughs> but it was cool to see even at their level that they cheated all the time. And there are so many things that was like smoke and mirrors. And, and that helped to think about, and, you know, and, and even at the end of the day, I remember Shelly Johnson who shot the Wolfman. I talked to him a bit about how to do the night forest lighting. He's like, dude, at the end of the day, if it looks cool, it doesn't matter. You know, and anything like last night when I was I was watching uh, Friday Thirteenth, the reboot, is there is so many times where the moon is like all over the place, the light is all over the place, nothing's consistent. There's like unmotivated light sources all over, but it looks awesome. And, and right. And if you're in the story, you don't. None of that matters. You know. So it's so that was helpful because you'll get kind of dogmatic sometimes about like it has to be like this. Mm. The moon was over there, so it needs to be over here again. Like. No. Yeah. <laughs> if people are paying that close attention, then they've seen oh, man. enough times. Yeah we, we, we have to light the, yeah, we have to light this big suspension bridge in this forest that goes over a river. And it's like insanity. And it's going to be the, it's like, it's the worst day that we're going to be on set. I already know that. So I'm already like prepping mentally <laughs> and prepping the crew for that, you know, but I always, but I've, I've been on some film sets where like the directors are back at the monitor and I, to me, I, I, well, I'll be on the camera, but I just, I, I feel like, you know, leading a crew means like working as hard as they are, you know, celebrating their hard work and, you know, just making them feel, you know, respected and, and that you're glad that they're there, you know, so. So where are you shooting here locally that where's the camp? So like years down the road after yeah, people buy their t-shirts and, and are super fans of final summer, can they go visit the set someday? Where are you shooting? Yeah, we're shooting at Camp Silver Lake. <laughs> it's right. Yes. It's Where an is that located? Location. Yeah, it's an undisclosed location. Uh, okay. Somewhere okay. in the area. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Just, I don't want people to crash your seat. That's oh, not what I'm yeah, saying. Neither. So. <laughs> no, but well, I, all right. I, well, uh, blink if it's blink if it's Twin Lakes in Paris, Illinois. No. No. Maybe. Okay. So that's not it. No. Oh, he blinked. That's it. I don't know. <laughs> what was that? That, that? that was the end of the movie, right? Where, wasn't there some movie where she's like, if you blink, I'll let you live or something like that. And then they're like trying to like not blink. It was some terrible movie I saw. But anyway. Uh, Are you yeah. making a cameo in the movie? Uh, probably not. Yeah. I'm not a big one for that one. You know, I'll leave some people there. are, some people are. And I didn't know if you just walk through in the background, you know, like. I don't want to pull like an M night. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> what are you doing? I'll end up making like some terrible movie down the road, which I probably will anyway, but, uh, you know, That's but, no, part it's, of the process. but I, I will say that the, the location has been really helpful and really great to work with. Um, every, you know, I think that just, we have a good crew. Uh, Illinois theater has been really great, uh, to help with us. This, this is really funny. So I went to go see Aaron Munoz who teaches acting for camera at Illinois theater and uh, <clears throat> to talk about casting like BFA and MFA actors, because I looked at the, I studied the productions of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Night of the Living Dead and Evil Dead, almost as like case studies for how to make this film. Because <clears throat> I knew like we're not in a major films community, which we can talk about next about Champagne as a film hub. And we just don't have access to like a lot of talent or whatever. So I, I wanted to find some unknowns who had training and, and cast them but I went to talk to Aaron and I got on the elevator at Craner and this was before COVID and this guy like in blue coveralls got on carrying this big kitchen knife like he looked exactly like <laughs> Michael Myers without the mask on and I just started laughing I'm like what are the odds that this is happening <laughs> as I'm going to talk to like Aaron about casting a slasher film it was just like this it was an early sign I think to me that there's something about this film <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I just feel like the universe keeps like pushing this one forward. So, but, uh, but yeah, go so, ahead. Oh, no, no. Yeah. No, you kind of, I think you kind of casually glossed over, you know, you were talking about the importance of, of, hmm. of the final song and uh, you know, you don't want to uh, 
talk about your your history with the pumpkins and all that but i mean this is this is a this is a big deal here and and, yeah. and do you want to talk about what this song is actually going to be sure yeah so it's um so jeff schroeder's band night dreamer jeff is also the guitarist in the smashing pumpkins they're going to cover pat benatar's um shadows of the night as yeah. the final song which i love that song it's like killer oh, yeah. it's yeah. so great and i felt killer. like yeah. emotionally it spoke to the emotion of the film and i felt I, I i would get really heavy when i would hear it the first couple of times thinking about it because i was like man this is so much about being a survivor and what it feels like and and so i and i i wanted the film to feel like a film that had been out in the 80s and 90s that was just kind of forgotten that became a cult film like much later on not necessarily mm -hmm. a cult film but like a film franchise that felt like nightmare on elm street or um <clears throat> friday the 13th or halloween or something you know where it it was just like this forgotten film franchise and and i going back to like this the films I, I was watching them i'm like what is it about these films what is it about friday the 13th that we're still making them you know why are we still making halloween why are we still you know trying to reboot nightmare on elm street <laughs> which i think would be an amazing film to do because there's so much potential that hasn't been tapped into yet with like that whole like nightmare thing but anyway uh and I, got, I kind of went back to it and i was like it's it's the emotion that you feel looking at the poster i think and and the, the emotion of of what the film feels like to you as maybe as a kid where it's like oh yes it's a little you know like your parents are going to be mad that you're watching it <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's right, like listening yeah. to like the Ramones or something. It's like punk rock, like Sex Pistols. It's cool, and mm. your parents aren't going to like that you're into like Sex Pistols or something. And even like saying the name, they're like, oh, why, you, "Why do you like that stuff? It's trash or whatever." But it's like it's like your thing, you know. It's yeah. like a little flag that you fly. They're like, "This is cool," and I and I felt like punk rock and, and horror films are very similar in a way. And uh, and yeah, so I but yeah uh, yeah we can talk about the pumpkins, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just felt like I felt like you kind of yada yada it, but it's oh, that, yeah, yeah. a huge get, man. And I think yeah. that's a great idea. I love yeah. that song. Um, and yeah, you nailed it. I mean, that's how we used to pick out movies as kids, is you'd walk down the aisle and you see cover art. Hmm. And that was like the thing. So yeah, getting really? that image and just seeing the box, it was like, oh, <laughs> I gotta get this. I don't even oh, know yeah. what it is, but final summer, man, like that, yeah. that boat, like that, that looks like me right there. Yeah. So I got to get that one. Yeah. Like it, it is funny to think about the audience because there's one <clears throat> character in the film who is kind of the audience in a way, who represents the audience. And, and, and I think that's exciting to me to be able to see yourself on the, on the screen, even through somebody else. And, you know, like I looked at like, you know, like Scream, I really liked a lot, but I felt like it was a little too, it doesn't really age very well. And it's pretty obvious Billy is the killer. <laughs> from the, I'm like, if you can't see that Billy's a killer, dude, that's like, I don't <laughs> come on he's totally it's obvious you know and so so that was the fun with this one was to create a, a create a sense of like what is going on what's happening and um yeah just really kind of just have fun uh oh right when you when but when you title the movie final summer does yeah. this mean there is no chance for any sequels or prequels oh, or I what i mean you're kind of starting at the end here <laughs> Well, the, the name is kind of a joke because I, I felt like there's a movie Final Destination and they made eight of those things. <laughs> and, and I just okay. I felt like it would, be, it would be kind of funny to make a, a horror film that has that sense. But also, you know, you know, I, I think if you're going going back to like going through the video store, you know, you get to F and you're right there with Friday the 13th, you know, so I'm like, all right. Final summer, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put it right Genius. Oh, yeah. But I, I just I love like. Um, you know like the, the cover art of those 80s horror films yeah because you go in and you're like return of the living dead you're like oh man what's that about yes there's like a alone in the dark is another one that's really great um you know just all of those you know nightmare on Elm street three dream warriors nightmare on Elm street like all the i try to get the poster artist from nightmare on Elm street to do this poster but he never got back to me but uh <laughs> but i gotta do get you, that uh, out, so John, do you remember the movie Shocker, Wes Craven Shocker? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, the guys so you go to the video it. store for that. Yeah, you go to the video store and you can push on, uh, oh, God, I forgot the actor's name. Uh, the guy that was in X Pinkerton. Right? 
Yeah, you can yeah, push yeah. on his stomach, and then his eyes lit up and stuff on the box. So I was like, <laughs> well, I have to rent this. I have to rent Shocker. Oh, man. That was a good one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Like, there's ones that are like have, have weird, bizarro ones where this movie sucks. Like, Happy Birthday to Me. That's such a weird cover. Like, where the guy's got, like, the shish kebab going in his mouth. He's like, yes. Yeah. You know, and the movie is <laughs> totally terrible. And, and, and April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing There's that. a good one. As a kid, I watched that recent, recently because I, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I got this over COVID. I got like a projector and a projector screen and, and I got movie seats in my house. And so I'll just watch movies and it's fun yeah. to watch them on the big screen because you pay attention to details that you haven't, even if you've seen a movie a million times on a big screen, it, there's things that stick out more and, and, and it's just fun. And uh, I'm rambling here, but uh, you were saying something else about that made me think of something else, but now I forgot. But anyway. <laughs> No big deal. So that's all right. Well, let's get into uh, community then, man. You got the Kickstarter up. How yeah. can we get people get involved? Um, yeah. I know you're looking for actors. You're looking for backing. What what kind of scale are you working with? Like, let's 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 help out here, man. Uh, yeah. You know, see awesome. is working yeah. as as like I said at the very opening. I mean, this can be a film hub. Yeah, we got some great and talented people here locally. So so oh, what, yeah. what stage are you at right now, and how can people help? Um, so I think we're, we're, we got, um, I would say like our, our budget is probably about two thirds of the way there for the entire film. And then this is just, this is kind of really helping us kind of get to the finish line in a way. And so, you know, cause I, I, I just, I knew like, no matter what we were going to make this film. And so no matter what scale and if we need to, you know, like I've always been really good at, at you know, doing things on a, a very efficient budget, but making them look like we spent like 10 times what we did. And mm -hmm. like my kind of like my greatest compliment I ever got was like Jeff uh, had like a, when I, I did the two music videos for Jeff's band Night Dreamer and like Billy Corgan saw them and he asked Jeff, he's like, where did you get the money for that, that video? And <laughs> <laughs> like, don't tell him how much yeah. we can spend because <laughs> I will never get paid ever again, you know, but uh, <laughs> so, but that was like, to me, that was like a huge, huge compliment. And so that's why I feel like we're going to do a lot with this film, you know, and, and it's going to look, I think it's going to look like we spent a million dollars on this thing at the end of the day, you know, it's, it, it, I've got, it's going to sound good, which is huge. Cause that's my biggest priority is, and I think it's going to look yeah. good. And then the actors, I got a really exciting and the villain is going to blow. I feel it's going to, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be up there with like Hannibal Lecter and Norman Bates, I think. Whoa. Like I feel like it's it the villain is very true to life. I I'll just say that much. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Without without getting too much into my own personal story. <laughs> We're not getting the scoop here. We're not getting <laughs> well. Uh, but to go to go to um the champagne thing, um it's a great scene and I kind of came into it. Um, there was a film that came to town in 2014 called Consumed, and that really kind of triggered my attention to film. And then there was a lot of people doing pencil lens locally. And I was like, wow, there's a cool film community here. And then there was uh, the Lukemans were doing this, uh, this like web streaming series mm -hmm. uh, once upon a time in the 70s, which I was like, oh, this is cool. And so that I just awesome. I saw that there was this collective here and then Champagne Movie Makers. But. I wanted to take my experience of working on, on a, a, a big, a bigger indie film set and bring it to locally to where we could start to kind of work at that level in terms of our focus and our craft and our professionalism. And so I would, so I started doing a workshop through Shatterglass, Shatterglass Studios. I had keys to the place. I'm like, hey, do you mind if we just do like a workshop in the back? And so I started doing it with like, you know, high school kids and college students and then non-traditional students come in and we would just do exercises and it was like every time we just had like a new piece of gear it was like all right we're working on c-stands or you know lighting and this and that and we would do and then we then we really started becoming like almost like our own indie free film school mm -hmm. yeah. and and the and to me it was awesome because then i really like working with the crew and all of a sudden i got like 10 or 12 people and we're becoming our own crew and it was just really exciting to do all these things where, you know, we were in the back of the studio and then we would go to like someone's like my house in my basement 
<laughs> and to do those these like horror genre exercises of like the girl walks down the stairs to uh, investigate a noise because I wanted them to see that filmmaking is visual storytelling. It's not just what's being said in the script, you know, because I think absolutely people will hear like, oh, the script. I love Tarantino. You know, like I was I grew up in the, like the 90 like Pulp Fiction era where everybody yeah. I went to film school for a little while and everybody in there was like wanted to be Tarantino. Every, every mm-hmm. script was like two guys in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. It. Like this is not interesting. <laughs> and it's not even original. Someone else did it. So I wanted to, them to think about visual storytelling and that's what this is. And, and to, horror is all about visual storytelling and, and setting the mood and building the tension and, and your edit and everything. And so, it's, so it, it kind of grew from there. And then from there, more opportunities came to town that we were able to go work on. And so we worked on that Netflix doc, Rising Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It was so exciting for them to see people working at that level, to see the level of professionalism that they need to be at. And then also for them to experience the failures and the stress of uh, working on a set so that it can be like, wow, I know what you're saying now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why, why I got yelled that two minutes ago for not, move, not running faster. Um, or, or why everybody, why I would always say that the one time at the end of the day, the one time, the two times that people are not your friend on a film set is like during golden hour and blue hour. <laughs> because <laughs> the light is going. And it doesn't matter how slow or fast you're moving, man. If you if you're not going, you know, at the yeah. speed, it's gone, and it's it's forget it, and you're going to be persona non grata, basically. And so, <laughs> but but I, I laugh about it because it's when they go, and, and several of them in the workshop went on to work to either go to film school or they went to work on film sets in Chicago. And they're like, yeah, this is no joke. What you were saying, I'm like, duh, yeah. But I mean, it's exciting to see them recognize that and also continue as opposed to having it where they i don't want to do this this is not for me and um i feel like this i feel like for this film the real thing i feel like the thing is it's just like one of us has to and i've said this for a couple years is like it's going to take one of us to make a feature film that gets on the map to make people draw their attention to the community like how Mm -hmm. richard linklater was in austin with uh you know all of his films and then robert rodriguez too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and then like um you know even in like pittsburgh with george romero and and that's still a film scene or detroit you know like sam raimi doing evil dead and i'm like it's not easy to be the first one through the wall or through the door right. yeah no kidding because <laughs> i always talked about how people people always say oh robert riga is a seven minute film school el mariachi such a great story i'm like no one wants to be him when he's making El Mariachi, because <laughs> no one no one sees it yet. He's not he's not yeah. there, and it's not it's not like that. This this great tale of, of of you know accomplishment. It's like this guy is like giving blood, and he wants to make this film about some guy with a guitar case. And no, nah, screw that guy. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I feel the same with with, with this one was funny because like when I was like, oh, I'm doing a slasher film. Everybody's like, huh. Like, what are you talking? Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's over time, it was just showing, getting people to see the vision. And so I feel like with this film, I'm like, the potential here is here. There's the Roger Ebert Film School, which is more for film criticism. But I'm like, dude, like, if you're going to have a school for film criticism, why not have a film, a, a school for uh, film production? Because Chicago is a huge industry. Yeah. And, and they're totally taken over, I think, because Amazon has just opened up a studio up there. A lot of my friends uh, work up there uh, as cinematographers, uh, camera operators in the grip in electric unions. Uh, they're on shows. My friend Ashley, she was a big uh, friend and advisor to me. She's like the the head makeup uh, set key for Fargo. You know, they're filming. Wow. They filmed like Jordan Peele's Lovecraft County in my small hometown of Elburn, you know. <laughs> right and then amazon girl amazon had an, another shoot a week ago in elburn which i'm like why am i okay i'm here but anyway <laughs> <laughs> but i just feel like if huh. i feel like uh as like that area gets saturated because the the cost of factories is, is so expensive for for studios to locate there you know they're going to start looking at these other areas you know mm. and i feel like champagne could be a great place because there's a ton of variety uh you've got all these great small towns 
um, that are like two and a half hours away. There's an airport here, there's Willard. There's a, a, another regional airport in Chinute. Um, you have Chinute. I mean, there's, that has a power yeah. grid of a former Air Force yeah. base. I, yeah. I, every time I go there, all I see is is this Marvel Studios. In <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, like when we went, we went to shoot Night Dreamer music video at Chinute at the, at the hangar there. And I was just like, I felt like I was like on the set of like Close Encounters, this huge hangar. I was like, man, this is so cool. And But I feel like the potential was there. And I remember talking to some of the guys like Eric Benzes, who was the head of development there and even pitching it to some of my friends as like, this would be a great place to, to, to develop a like these studios there you know it's great space you know uh tons of power you know so i i think it's it's just the, the possibilities are there and i think that we just are first through the door with this film um and, and so it's a challenge it's really hard i mean i yeah. think the thing I, I think about with this film is i had no idea how much of an emotional journey it would be because there are days when you're like you'll have the small victory and you're like, yes. And then like an hour later, you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> because, labor of love, man. Oh yeah, yeah it totally is. Labor and, of love. And it's just, you just keep pushing and pushing. And so, you know, I think you have to celebrate the little victories because yeah, even then, even like after when I, when I, they, they they told me like, Hey, welcome to Argonaut. Like we're excited. We're going to put half up it up. I was like in tears. Cause I was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And it, but also, like the next day, I was like, "Oh my God, is this, how is this going to happen?" <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this movie is going to happen, and it this is, is gonna totally going to happen. Spot. And I have, and if it's a success, I have a whole arc for the trilogy that I think will be really solid and really cool and and different, you know, in a way that it is about this trauma bond that forms between these survivors, and it's a it's a full and complete story versus. Not like the Fear Street trilogy, which I think is just a bunch of nonsense. It's <laughs> well, yeah. no offense to Fear Street fans, but they're not very good films. But <laughs> well, of course, I'll say that now. And then I come out with my film and everybody's like, that guy is a jerk. And look at his dumb film. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but it's just, uh, um, and, and even Tom, Tom Matthews like talked about this with Friday the 13th was the problem with Friday the 13th. And the problem with like Halloween was they had to retcon so much of their, the story because it would go all over the place you know and there was no yeah. consistent storyline and and you saw that with like friday 13th part like the final chapter where you also introduce like tommy jarvis that's a cool character and then like you, you kind of try to do it again in part five which was a super bizarre kind of a crap movie and then they come bad. back again in, in six but the, nothing ever happens after that you know there is no time it just skips all over the place and then i liked yeah. chris higgins who was the final girl in part three she was awesome and nothing yeah. ever happens with her again and i was like she was a great and there's a whole thing like an article about how her character and like me too and everything and 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 that's another thing with our film which i felt like i was also influenced by the me too movement movement with our our, our women characters and 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 that just in, in in the sense of like you know harvey weinstein did the burning he was being a creep on that film and i felt like mm -hmm seeing some of the misogyny of, of some of these films, I wanted to make our film something that like we could get, like something that like Nev Campbell would be in or Adrian Barbeau does this great podcast on the women of horror. And so I, I wanted to make a film that was smart and also have these complex dynamic female characters in it too. Um, just, you know, I don't know, just because I felt like, again, like it's the final girl. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm bought in. Uh, the listeners are bought in. I'm going to help you promote, my man. This is awesome. why I'm here. Well, so what can people do to help? The, yeah, this movie's happening no matter yeah. what, but with yeah. with help, what, where can it go? What what can it become? What What is yeah. the, this Kickstarter helping? It, it, it's helping us uh, basically with um, it's, it's a lot, portion of the Kickstarter is going to go towards uh, actually like feeding the crew, you know? I mean, we're right. going to eat no matter what, but I mean. <laughs> no, there's incidentals that need to be covered. Here. Oh, yeah, just incidentals. Yeah. So I'd say like, you know, feed, helping us feed the crew, helping with like some of the rental costs, helping with uh, some of the, you know, like, kind of like day rate, rental location, all that kind of stuff. And, and it's just kind of helping us get that final thing. Because again, like Illinois has a 30% tax credit. So if we're hitting to like a certain level, then we're into 30% yep. tax credit, which can kind of bring us over the finish line when we're talking about post 
we're talking about audio, all these things. I mean, we've, we've, I've had two years to think about this film and all the different steps and all the ways in which we're going to finish this up. So it's a good film. So it's not just some dumb film that like, oh, it's lame. And you can see it on Amazon. Like, no, like this is going to go to film festivals in the spring. And it has to do with this year because this year is like the year of the, of the return of the slasher film. Because you have yes. like Hall Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends, you got Scream 5, you got Candyman, you got all sorts of stuff happening. It's in the air. And I think timing with films is everything. And I feel like the timing on this is so good. It's kind of perfect because Friday the 13th is stuck in litigation, you know. And I think we're going to give a film to that audience that they're really going to like in love, I, I think, because I feel like this is much smarter than definitely Jason goes to Manhattan. <laughs> hey, Jason 10, the boxing know? scene. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. The boxing scene. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how that, that that boat got to Camp Crystal Lake, but, you know, hey, you know, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal, you know, cool, whatever, you know. I, I still love Brodsky in uh, part in 10. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that dude ended up with that name, but no big deal. You know, hey, it's cool. I, I still love when he's like going entering into the atmosphere and he's like punching Jason. And it's like they turn to a comment. I'm like, oh my God, this movie. <laughs> Although I like the the David Cronenberg at the beginning of it was uh was a inspired touch. Yeah. But um, but no, um the people behind this, the executive producers, have like real connections. So like Adam Moyer is like with the uh, United Talent, like UTA, they're a huge agency. He's gonna he's got connections with like Bloomhouse and, and Morgan Creek. And, and so it's going to get out there. And, and even like on the international distribution side of things, they have people who know how to sell this film. Right. So I feel like this is like, to me, I, I've just, and I've been trying to kind of convey this to people. I've never seen it like this before, where I've just stumbled into this, these people who can actually like make this, bring this film out there and make a big mark on it. And so you know, it's, it's just, and I've been working with Adam for a couple of years. Like he used to, he was in film and then he got into producing uh, like a lot of like, uh, like unscripted series uh, for A&E and he did like American Chopper and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, he, he started getting back into producing films again. And so, you know, I, I think that this is, has a lot of potential to be a real thing and not just talking like, oh yeah, we're going to make a film in the woods kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, man. So everybody listening, help out. Oh, yeah. Hey, no, gotta I, I got you, Curtis. I got you. You're coming up, man. I know you've been sitting on a question. I know I've seen it in your face. But before <laughs> I get off the Kickstarter, let's get this building block film to help push the uh, film scene through. This movie is going to be amazing. I'm bought in. Oh, and I'm, I'm contributing. But Curtis, oh, yeah. I know you've had connection issues. I appreciate you hopping on with us. What's sitting? I'm I know fine. you're dying to say something, man. Hop in. All right. Well, two things. One, uh, I have an idea that could really help with the Kickstarter. I know there's a lot of people that would be thrilled to see me die on camera. So <laughs> if you need someone to be a victim, John, I would like to volunteer my oh. services to sure. be whether yeah. you need, you know, a decapitation, you need someone disemboweled, whatever the case may be. That sounds great. They would, you know, the radio DJ uh would be a thing like i could i could uh, it would be an extension of myself i'll be an annoying radio dj and <laughs> i'm broadcasting live from the yeah. camp and then that's it for me you know totally. that sounds awesome live on the radio yeah just totally thought, throwing that yeah. out there. i know you've got the script and you're doing the yeah. whole thing but uh that really i didn't have a second question i just want to know if you would oh, no, yeah. kill me on camera totally yeah i think if we if we hit our goal we will kill you on camera How's that <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, I mean, people have opportunities to be in the film. Um, you know, we're shooting it. Uh, um, yeah, because the film takes place, it, it takes place in three time periods, 1991, which is a central time period, 1986. Yeah. And then there's a backstory that takes place in 1983. And there are so many fun Easter eggs. Like I talked to Tom McLaughlin, who was the director of Friday 13 Part 6. And so there's a fun Easter egg uh, for one of his films. And um, yeah, there's just a ton. And there's actually a bunch of champagne Easter eggs in the film too, because um, right. yeah, I'm still I'm still finished. Like this 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 one is helping me finish up the uh, the music doc because <laughs> I I hit oh, a yeah. lot of music licensing on yeah. that one, and so this one I felt like I can make this one, and then hopefully with like the profits off this one, then I can go and finish up the music doc. 
and yeah, you know, like in just in terms of like other streaming outlets, there's like Shutter is great. Um, you know, some of my friend, one of my friends has a his film got on Shutter. So there's a, there's a lot of like, and then some of my friends are producers in Chicago, Rob Stern, Sarah Sharp, and they they did the stylist, and that was on Arrow. Yeah. So um, you know, and, and Rob is a good buddy of mine. He he's another cinematographer. And we 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 worked together on some of those pumpkins things I did last year, and uh, he's just a good good dude. Um, but uh oh yeah, and we shot a re- revealer, which was uh, Luke Boyce from Shatterglass. He did a, a film with Tim Seeley, these uh, comic book guys, uh, writers who did a re- revival, um, and we shot that last year actually in Rogards. Oh wait, I don't know if I can say that. Oh yeah, well we're not there anymore. So yeah, we shot in the back of Rogards on Neal Street. It was like this hidden location. We built this whole set in the back of it, and Bishop Stevens was in that film. He's also in my film too, but. Uh, and That's it was cool because cool it was like in the it was the first production in Illinois that got up during COVID. And, and it was exciting to work on that because it felt one. I mean, we'd been stuck, you know, like in our homes for like months. Right. And it was exciting. You know, we had all the protocol. We were in like the face shields and the masks. But it was cool because we were quarantined at the Hyatt, which was nice. <laughs> oh, my. Hey. I, was, I was stuck in a room for two days. Yeah. Quarantine first. And so I was it. like, oh, my God. So I just did nothing but work on my script and do revisions and stuff then. But uh, it was great to see everybody. I mean, it really felt like film, film is like a family to me. And to be able to be back together with everyone was really heartening. And I felt like everybody was just so stoked to be there and be back together again. It was probably one of my favorite productions I've been on, even with wearing the mask and sweating and it sucked. It was just awesome to see your friends again and to be making movies. Yeah. And it was it was really beautiful. And I think that that's why I love film so much. I think I love it because it's it's it's, uh, you know, saved my life. And, and I think um, I just can't imagine doing anything else. And it's so exciting when you can be in that in that world and you're so focused and everything is rolling and. And, and horror is so much fun to film, man. Oh my God, we, we were laughing. <laughs> We'd be running like, screaming our heads off across this, you know, ah, you know, and then we get there and like, ah, let's go again. We'd just be laughing on the way back. Oh, I'm going to do this this time. And oh yeah, you know, it's so much fun. And, and I heard about that too. That I heard about like how Halloween was a blast. Friday the 13th was a blast. And we're like going to be at a summer camp shooting this thing i mean it's gonna yeah. be a total blast right you can have that that camp feel even when you're not shooting man. oh yeah but i, I just want to yeah. say thank thank you guys for for um yeah know, i was about to say down. we're coming yeah. up on an hour man let's that's i think that's yeah. a perfect way to wrap up dude yeah. so awesome yeah thank you've you. said you've set well, high expectations and I, and I know you're gonna meet them uh, i love yeah. hearing about the the survivalist mentality this this villain has me more intrigued because man you put some tall hitters up there as as yeah. as comparison so yeah yeah I'm ready for it, man. I'm ready for it. So, all right, man. Once again, final summer, Swede Films. Thank you, John Eisberg. Thank Thank you, Curtis Allen. Hey, Uh, thank you. It was great talking with you, man. All right, you guys too. Have a good one.